You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. This beautiful Sunday morning, and we have uh, Butch Carter in studio. Butch, former coach of the Toronto Raptors. And Wally Regabon is in Florida, and he'll be joining us right now, too. Wally, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Naz. Uh, I think the weather might be a little bit better where I am, but uh, I'm certainly thinking hockey. Let's put it that way. So, uh what do you want to get into, Naz? Let's 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 go at it. Uh, good morning, Butch. How are you, Butch? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Uh, got a lot of sports to talk about, Naz. So I'll turn it over to you. Where do where do we? We're going to talk Raptors first? first and the big trade this uh, past week. Mark Gasol, a uh, Gasol, a uh, Raptor now. But so what do you think of that move? It's it's uh, you get a really good player. You get a veteran player who's. Uh, been through the wars of the Western Conference and the Western Conference playoffs. And um, I think it's a great opportunity for him to come here with the way the franchise is set up and to help them go for, you know, more playoffs wins than they've ever done before and get further. Um, You know, as I told my wife, she asked about it, you know, Mark Gasol is one of the highest IQ players in the league. Um, You know, if you go back and look at his pictures when he was in high school. He was a very, very fat kid. He's basically taught himself how to play basketball. He knows spacing. He can make shots. He can pass. He's going to know how to help his teammates be better players. Um, you know, barring injury or something weird, you know, it's just it's it's a good piece. It's a good piece to help. Uh, but Butch, I want to, if you don't mind, I want to jump in there. Um, Marcus Alls, thirty-four years old. Um, has been an exceptional player in this league for more or less 10 years. Um, kind of tough losing Valanchunas because it seemed like before Valanchunas got injured, uh, he was he was taking his game. But tell us uh, tell us how how Gasol's an improvement over Valanchunas. Well, the issue with Valanchunas is just he's had some really bad injuries that have taken him out. You know, 20, 30 games a season. He was having what I I believe was his best year of his 10 years, but he's playing for a contract. You know, uh, the game he played against Embiid in Phil, uh, against Philadelphia here in Toronto, his game out west against the Lakers um, before he got hurt at Golden State, he, he's just been really good. This is the first year in his 10-year career he could turn over his right shoulder and make a shot. You know, which I've been consistently on him about a lack of development on, on playing on both sides. Um, I think that you know, at the end of the day, you're getting a player that's a lot smarter than Valashunas, and he'll be able to adjust on how the officials are making play. I mean, calling the, the game. I just think his overall experience, he'll add a subtleness. Um, with the officials, uh, opposing uh, coaches have always had a tough time dealing with him because of his elbow catch and what he's able to do off the elbow, drive, pass, set screens. Uh, I think he will invigorate Lowry um, because, you know, when you're a player in the locker room and all of a sudden your management adds a piece like Gasol to what you're doing, 
and he's not going to be overstressed at 34 because he's going to come off the bench. So as long as he's able to keep you know himself loose enough to come in, I think the toughest part for him is you got a first year coach and he he's got to make all these adjustments on playing time. You know, you 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 trade three guys out that you've been putting in your rotation, um, but you got a first year coach, and when he gets in the playoffs, he's going to be coaching against veteran coaches. You know, if it's Brad Stevens or you know Milwaukee. Uh, or Philadelphia or Brett Brown. I mean, he's going to be coaching against more experienced coaches. So I think the only thing to watch is is how the rotation works out. And, again, if Serge Ibaka will stay inside the three-point line when he's playing, uh, he's really helped them. I think Serge has had, you know, one of his best years ever when he's played inside a three-point line for the Raptors. So, I think the biggest liability is your first-year coach. Uh, but to ask you, Affair, uh, what an injury means? How long it takes to get back into the swing of things when you're coming off the injured list? Well, there's there's two injury scenarios that really taught me a lot. The first one, I was a rookie, and Magic Johnson tears a cartilage in his knee. And I can keep remembering these brutal workouts Pat Riley was putting him through coming back. But they were all on the offensive end. And then we get knocked out by Houston in a short series. But the real problem was Magic couldn't get down in a stance. And as I told you, you know, the issue you run into with a long-term injury past four weeks, a lot of times players lose their two-way ability. They're focused on getting them back, lots of shots, lots of layups. But, you know, they don't spend a lot of time in a defensive stance. And so the second one is uh, traded to New York, uh, and everybody got hurt. I mean, we had seven guys on injured list. Some nights we only had eight guys dressed and were signing guys to short-term contracts. So it's just it's injuries, uh, they, they really throw a franchise off track because there's no consistency in your evaluation. And uh, Valashunas, you know, it was it was time to go. And if you're this close to being very, very good, maybe the best in the East, you know, and I don't want to get into, you know, we can argue this one or that one, but at the end of the day, you got to play your way. Everybody's got to play their way through the playoffs. And that's really how your what your mindset is of your players in the playoffs. But you... Um... Uh, mentioned that uh, you see uh, Marcus All's role coming in off the bench. Um, is is that where you is that where you you see him? And how many minutes a game uh, do you see him starting? Uh, well, uh, being introduced uh, to the lineup coming off the bench is he well, going to be a starter at playoff time? Listen, I don't I don't think he's going to be a starter at playoff time. But I would get him thirty two minutes. And I would play sometimes play him and Serge Ibaka together because Gasol can he, he can stretch the floor he can play the stretch four the issue is he's smart enough to know how to guard the five or the four and <clears throat> you know the best way to get it the to get things done from you know a math analytical standpoint is your ability to build flexibility in a one guy not playing one position because when you Peg guys behind each other, you know, in some scenarios, you know, your top eight, those guys maybe keep coming out as a top two or three and playing their position. So you don't want to peg guys behind each other. You want to build out flexibility and their ability to think on both positions and execute. 
And Gasol is smart enough to do that. You don't I, I, trust me. You don't have to worry about that. The issue is, like I said, your first year coach. He's got to figure out how do I play these guys together. What scenarios do I play them together? Um, and we and it doesn't hurt us. And you know he's got twenty five games to figure it out. He's got some practice time, some off time with the All Star break. Um, I imagine Gasol, if he's not going on vacation, doesn't have a vacation schedule with his family, <laughs> those two will be spending a lot of time together and watching some film. But, you know, it's it's the right guy. It's, I, I think it's the it's the best trade that was made of an import from west, from west to east with a playoff team. Now, the Raptors have three open spots. How do they fill them? They don't have the depth they did. They traded a lot of their depth away. But... Well, you, you'll, sign, you'll go and sign somebody to a 10-day contract. I think they've got two weeks to clean it up. Uh, and then you've got the buyout market's going to happen, you know, at the end of the month. So you'll have some veteran players available. Those veteran players, you know, you got to figure out, you know, what you may need. I think, I think there'll be an argument that'll be pitched in the room is can we rely on our point guard situation being healthy? Right. So, you know, do we need, but, but the biggest concern that I have and everyone has is that they've gone through this spell where they've not shot the three ball very well. And and that has to get cleaned up. Lowry cleaned it up a little bit last night, made a little personal statement. I really like what he's done the last two games in Philly and in New York. Uh, but, you know, he's a Villanova kid. He's played in those buildings before. Uh, but, you know, I think it's in everyone's best interest that Kyle gets back to a good state of mind going into the end of the year and the playoffs. Um, and helps the team get as far as possible. Do you think Lowry is still hurt? Sorry, do you think Lowry is still hurt? No, I don't. I, I think Kyle's mad all the time, <laughs> right? I don't. I don't think you know any, anything that you know he's mad about is is perceived to be a distraction. I I just think it's been a consistent state of mind on every situation he, he he's been in. It's his personality. But at the at the end of the day, the Kyle Lowry that's the basketball player, that's the guy we need to see. I don't care if he's mad, happy. The Kyle Lowry, the you know, Villanova, Philadelphia street kid, I mean, that that's the basketball player we need to see. And when he and when he is that, as he's shown the last couple of games, he's still very effective. Butch when uh, when the season started we were, you know, pro- prognosticating uh, obviously we thought the, we thought that the Raptors would uh, be contending or were the favorites to be first overall in the, in, in, in the East, um, and we thought that they were going to that their big the big matchup uh, who was going to who was going to challenge them was going to be the Celtics uh, just because of the athletic ability on the Celtics. Now the Bucks and the Sixers um, certainly uh, are in the thick of, are in the thick of it. They improved themselves also. Uh, the Bucks. The last time they played the Raptors, seemed to handle the Raptors fairly easily, and I I found that a little bit of disconcerting. Um, we're midseason. Uh, we thought it was going to be Raptors Celtics, and now it looks like it could be Raptors Bucks Sixers or Celtics. Uh, how, do, how do you see the from from here on into the end of the season? Uh, how did the Bucks get so good, and how are the Raptors going to manage uh, the? The Bucks, the Sixers, and the Celtics from here to the end. Well, the the matchup uh, Milwaukee Toronto. Your biggest deficiency is the head coaches. You got an experienced Bootholzer, experienced head coach, and you got a first year coach. And 
he made a mistake in the last home game. He went to his zone, which would had worked for him on the road, and someone forgot to guard Giannis at the top. And once he went down the middle and dunked with no one willing to come over and touch him, then what happens to to the team is they're looking at the coach like, you put us in this mess, right? And maybe the players just didn't execute it. But you get a false sense of hope because out of last resort, Dallas was shooting like 80%. And I'm going to get back to Dallas is shooting 80% in the game. Nurse goes to his own, right? It stops Dallas from getting in the middle. They come back and win the game, right? Really good coaching, right? He basically went to his backup plan. The other guys were in shock. They couldn't figure it out. They come back and win the game. Well, they assumed that that was of natural causes. And when you do that and go into a, a more prepared opponent, which I consider Milwaukee because they shoot the three ball so well. Um, and so he's got to clean that up. The biggest gap for the Raptors in the playoffs versus another team is Milwaukee. Milwaukee is in the top three in three-point shooting. They have a superstar in Giannis that the officials will continue to blow the whistle for him in the playoffs. They have Bootholzer, who they interviewed and wouldn't hire. So he's personally motivated to have his team beat the Raptors. Uh, Kyrie goes down last night. He's going to be out for a while probably. He may, you know, he may need surgery. So Boston will go back to the team they were last year without Kyrie. We know that group plays very hard. The issue that's going on in Boston is Hayward. Hayward is making a lot of money. It's irrelevant. Him, he's ineffective as a player. He is not the same player that played at Butler. He is not the same player that played at Utah. And what it's done is that it's reduced Tatum, Tatum's and Brown's minutes. If I was Boston, I would take Tatum and use him as the backup point guard and, and increase his minutes because you need what he ha- He has a crossover dribble and an attack point at the rim that he scores even with pressure. So they they this injury may let them work out their problems because um, it takes Kyrie off the board and his issue with free agency, and it lets the other guys play the same kind of team they had last year. Boston, I believe, will beat Philadelphia. They've done a really good job historically in playing them. Stevens, I believe, is a better coach than Brown, has his guys more prepared. Uh, uh I believe the Raptors will be fine against Philadelphia because of, of uh, Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. Does home court advantage mean anything? Butch? Well, the the issue for Philadelphia is you know if you can if you can stop them in transition in the playoffs and force them to be a half court team, they really have a problem. Uh, I just haven't seen the stats on on our new trade <clears throat> versus Embiid. Valashunas ate Embiid up. Mm-hmm. You know, best game he had this year was a game here against Embiid. And the officials allowed, allowed him to guard Embiid. I believe that Embiid's problem is that he is a non-athlete when he gets in the lane. Uh, that's why Boston does such a good job on him. They've got, you know, big, strong kid put, you know that plays well against him. So at, at the end of the day, everybody's got a race to, you know, put your best team forward in the last 25 games. The team that is the most consistent right now without a trade, a major trade, is Milwaukee. 
So is there an opening to add more players of a high caliber? It's it's not a matter of high caliber. The issue is, you know, the biggest problem for the Raptors has been uh, scoring shrinkage by their all-stars in the playoffs. That's That's basically what's been the Achilles heel the last five years. So, you know, what you're going to see hopefully is Kyle plays up up in the playoffs. Kawhi goes back to being his 25 or 26 points a game to allow them to give that consistency. And then it's a matter of, you know, Siakam, can Siakam be as efficient in in playoff games as he is, you know, running up and down the floor during the regular season. And it's it's just a shrinkage. Toronto as a team has had greater shrinkage in point differential than any team in the last five years in the playoffs. And that's too bad. Wally? Um, uh, Butch, uh, I know we've got to go to break. And uh, last uh, last NBA question. Um, Raptors and Bucks in a playoff series. Uh, how do the Raptors stop Janus, the Greek freak? How do they do that? Well, it's a, it's a Kawhi. It's a Kawhi issue at the end of the day because you're going to put your best guy on, on Giannis. But the issue is if Kawhi is as efficient as he needs to be, he, you offset Giannis. Giannis hasn't gone off but one game in his whole career and scored 40 points. So he's not a guy that, you know, is going to drop a huge number on you because he's not that efficient shooting a three-point shot. They're affected because they run Giannis in the lane or he euro steps from the free throw line in the lane and he, and the perimeter has four shooters on the outside. That's why they've been effective, very effective, all right? So <clears throat> the real counter as as I put it, the counter is if Kawhi and Kyle are effective as all-stars as they've been during the regular season, then Toronto will be fine. Then it's going to boil down to, you know, 10 possessions after timeouts and the ability of the teams to execute when the opposing coach and defense doesn't know what they're running. And that's just good basketball. So, you know, in the playoffs, you, you know, you, you've got all the computer technology. You know what they're running for the most part. You know they're trying to get certain guys ISO'd. And you're trying to be effective with it. You hope you get your normal free throws. You hope you have your normal 15 turnovers a game on 100 possessions. And you got 85 possessions to be positive. You've got eight timeouts. So you, if you look at the two possessions offensively and the two possessions defensively after the timeouts, you can pretty much calculate where you're going to be. And all you really want to be is in a four or five possession game. So you either want to be up four or five possessions or you want to be down no more than four or five possessions going into the last six minutes. We're going to take a break and be right back with Butch Carter and Wally. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we received this letter. My marriage is in a rut. Can you help us spice things up? Yes. Get the gourmet special. Two medium gourmet pizzas for just twenty four ninety nine. He loves Canadian bacon, so he'll order a deluxe. She can order the Italian, because she loves the hot Italian sausage. Everyone's happy. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I want to talk about an interesting game yesterday in college basketball, Duke versus West Virginia. <laughs> what did you think of that game, Butch? Well, I mean, they'd built the game up all week, and I'd watched the prior game at Duke when Virginia went in there. And basically what you have are, are two different concepts by head coaches. The Virginia concept is to have more shooters than athletes. They want to play a lower possession game. And historically, since Tony Bennett's been at Virginia, their ability to shoot the basketball, there's there's three or four programs that are in rarefied air for shooting the basketball in college basketball. When Bo Ryan was at Wisconsin, his teams were uniquely qualified, shot the basketball better than most people every night, didn't turn it over, won games. Gonzaga has been doing it for 15 years. They shoot the basketball better than everyone else. They have a terrific tournament run in doing that. Villanova, and this year Villanova is shooting 53% of all their shots are three-point shots. They've won two national championships, all based off very fundamental. We're going to shoot the basketball from an efficiency standpoint better than other people, and we're not going to turn the basketball over. So Butler, Butler got to those final fours. Didn't turn the basketball over, shot the basketball better than other people. It's it's a unique formula that's based off a coach or a coaching staff being able to shoot, teach more players how to shoot the basketball well. With the modern-day shooting machines, it's a lot easier. A lot of coaches don't do it because they can't teach shooting. They didn't know how to shoot the basketball, or they haven't hired someone on their staff that knows how to shoot the basketball. <clears throat> so you've got this dichotomy of a of different philosophies. Krzyzewski, the Nike school, basically let's go get the best horses, let's turn them loose, let's grow the Nike brand, let's grow the Duke brand. And Coach K probably has three or four championships that got away because Duke has not shot the basketball well in the final game of the NCAA championship. So you turn, because the game was so close at Duke, he takes these very good athletes blended together with the skill guys, and they go to Virginia, and they played very well. 
at the end of the day, I'm more and more impressed with uh, Zion Williamson. Um, he is just a monster athlete with a very high Q. Yes, he's lacking in some skill issues, but man, what do you do with a guy that now you can put him in practice? He can run basketball, do nothing but basketball every day. You got full time film, and you don't have fake classes on this one year, one and done. Uh, as I said to you, you know, going back, I think he's in the top five all time athletes I've ever played in the ACC. Michael Thompson, Michael Jordan, uh, Lynn Bias, Vince Carter, I think he's there. Um, and what I'm really impressed with is he plays with his right hand. He's left-handed, but when he goes below the free-throw line, he has the ability to play with both hands. Um, and the the most outstanding, he is a great team guy. We've seen a lot of guys with his talent that are just so selfish that they can't understand the importance of the team. And I don't know who his parents are and how he was brought up, but I just see a guy that's full of enthusiasm for his whole team. He doesn't let, he makes the plays that he can make. But when he makes one of those monster plays, when he came out and blocked that jump shot. The three-pointer. It, 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 I think it, it changed the whole concept of the game. Yeah. Right? It's just, it, it just, you know, guys, you, you can say, well, don't let it affect you. We're like, then you're saying, like, where's he at? <laughs> right? It's like one of those scary movies, you know. Yeah. You know they're coming. You just don't know where. So uh, I love the atmosphere that you see in the ACC in those games. Um, the games, in my opinion, are pretty clean. You know, the guys, kids aren't, you know, overly angry. Uh, they played very hard. Um, but, you know, you, that game was not as good because Virginia did not shoot the ball well. But I think it's from the mental preparation. Duke was ready to go on the road in a tough place and win a game. Wally? Um, I don't know if you guys mind. Uh, do a little bit of a Super Bowl wrap-up from last week. Butchers, uh, one, one, co- one question I want to ask you. And first of all, uh, I have to admit that the Patriots humbled me. I I I, I bet against them the three playoff games in a row, and I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, we just have to say anything you pick go the opposite, and you'll be fine. <laughs> hey, Wally. Uh, you know what? Uh, that's probably a good way to make money. Just figure out what Wally's picking and go the other way. Uh, I I just didn't. I just didn't. I mean, to be fair to myself, nobody in the world, nobody in the world. Uh, a game coming that would be the lowest points total in Super Bowl history. It just that where that came from, uh, you know. Obviously, Belichick and Wade Phillips, uh, two of the greatest defensive geniuses of all time, uh, and perhaps uh, you know L.A. Rams that didn't didn't make the adjustments they had to make. But Butch, uh, and you know, I'll ask you guys your your thoughts on the game. Interesting comment made by the Ram coach McVeigh after the game. And I want a coach's perspective uh, and a player's perspective. He said in the press conference that he was outcoached by Belichick. Would you, when you were coaching, have ever said that in a press conference that you were outcoached by the other guy? And how does the team react to that? Well, I, I would say that during the regular season. I wouldn't say it during the playoffs. But, you know, there are, there are games and there are guys. I was talking to someone yesterday in California, and I told him, you know, I had a lot of success against Hall of Fame coaches except Larry Brown. 
And I, I couldn't beat the Pacers until Larry left and Bird took over. Um, but, you know, it's this is how I saw it. You have an old school coach in Belichick, and he basically, the offensive coordinator, all right, for New England, basically schooled uh, Wade Phillips. That what they did with Edelman was run what we call a gap route, right? So Edelman has a choice to find the open space. This requires the offensive line to give the quarterback a little extra time. And all Edelman kept doing was, all right, I'm going to go seven, <clears throat> seven yards, and wherever the open space is, straight, right, left, that's what I'm going to do. All right? And to give you a correlation, if you go back to the Ohio State-Michigan game, at halftime, Ohio State, in the first half, Ohio State was running crossing routes, and Michigan thought they had to stop because the, they made their halftime adjustment. Well, what happened was at halftime, Ohio State said, okay, you're going to start like you're on a crossing route. They're going to start head run with you, and you're going to peel back. You're basically going to make a U-turn and go back on the same side. So the whole part of what everyone said that I listened to uh, from the Atlanta Falcons, what they said was that you need to get off to a good start and don't become overconfident at halftime because Belichick will make the adjustments. And you got into a dead heat in the first half. Belichick goes in and makes the adjustments. The Rams are still running the same routes that they've run all season. They made no adjustments to how to physically attack the defensive scheme of New England. And Jared Goff is sitting there trying to throw the ball, all right, in the double and triple coverage because it wasn't that they had it down. New England was so good that one of their best defensive backs broke his arm, all right, and still with him out. Yeah, Chung. They they couldn't complete three passes in a row, all right? So, you know, the young, the young coach, you know, pay homage to the old guy, all right, but I don't. I don't think what he doesn't realize is that he never changed his route tree. So what Belichick and him were doing is, hey, look, I mean, you can put a computer on it, and the computer will tell you if they're in this set, it'll tell you the probability of which route tree they're going to be in. So Belichick's an old dog. He's using that technology, all right? And remember, there's one key part in the game that very few people would understand, all right, if you're coaching. Belichick kept saying to his guy, Where's he at on the sideline? I can't see him. He's looking for the head coach because I believe they had been tipped off to the signals. Why would you have to know the signal caller, where he's at on the sideline? All right? And someone upstairs told him where that, and he says, hey, I got him. Incredible. All right? That's a, per- that's a pretty provocative statement, uh, uh, Butch. Uh, going back to some of the... Uh, some of the foibles of the of the of the Patriots from from years past. Um, I, I got a sense in that game, and you know what? You go back and say they couldn't. You know, Wade Phillips took away everything from the Patriots, other than Julian Edelman. That's correct. That's that's correct. Uh, other than that, but that should have been enough to win the game. Quite frankly, <laughs> I mean, it was it was we were what near the end of the third quarter, and it was a three three game. Uh, so. But the if issue they, was they, anybody uh, had a bet. Anybody had a bet that the Patriots gonna, were going to win this game with only thirteen points. Uh, that probably wouldn't have been a very good bet. 
So you got to give Phillips a lot of credit, don't you? Yeah, you have to give him a lot of credit. But the issue at the end of the day is he's still knocking at the door. You know, he's a bridesmaid. Well, yeah. well, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't Wade Phillips' fault. It may have been. Uh, you know, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. The the Rams the Rams offensive guys failed to make the necessary adjustments. I, I you know they made they made uh, they made the Patriots look like uh, you know the, the 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 steel curtain and the fearsome foursome. Uh, I mean they 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 made the Patriots look like an all world defense from the old days, and I'm not so sure the Patriots defense is that good. In 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 football, the two hardest routes to cover are a wide receiver running across the field and a defensive back has to run sideways. Defensive backs are taught to backpedal and come forward. Right? They're, it's really tough for them to chase a guy across the field. He never ran a guy across the field. They ran Edelman across the field, and then when they start, when they start playing that, then he'd come back and reverse, and he'd just gap it. Wherever the gap is, Tom needs two more seconds. The offensive line for New England, they're the one that should get the MVP because they kept giving Tom the time to find Edelman. The, the Rams' offense was horrible that day, Butch. Yeah, it, it was. It was horrible. Yeah. And, you know, what? why is the best running back in the NFL sitting on the sidelines three-quarters of the game? I don't, I'm don't ye- understand I'm, I'm yelling, I don't get it. I'm yelling and texting my brother Chris, where is the running back at? What is going on? All right, He's riding his bike on the sidelines. And it, something's something's wrong there, and it's definitely wrong if you got the best running back, who's been the best running back for most of the season, and he was really bad in the New Orleans game, which they, you know, they were lucky to get through. And he's non-existent. Um, you don't have that kind of talent if it's at a hundred percent and not use it. That's that just didn't make any sense. Gurley saves golf. Golf doesn't save Gurley. Exactly, Wally. Yeah, that whole that I you know I couldn't agree with you more, Butch. That whole uh, Gurley thing. I don't, I don't know if anything came out in the last week. And the only thing that made any sense to me was that he was fighting some sort of undisclosed injury of some kind, uh, a fractured rib or a pull, a slight pull. And I, I have no idea other than other than an injury of some kind. Uh, and if he didn't have an injury of any kind, I I, I don't get it. Then then I, then you got a question. You got a question. The Rams coach. You got a question. You know the Rams coach. Well, what was he doing? Um, and and in the other part about you know. They managed to control the ball with Edelman. Yeah, they did, but didn't it didn't score them a lot of points. And it, it you know, the Rams had there was a stretch in that game uh, in the first first half. Uh, early, they had they punted. They had the, the longest. They punted eight straight times, and the and the most plays they had in any series was five plays, five plays in, for eight straight series. Like, like, what are you looking at? Like, I don't get it. It just, it, it, and I, and I, and it doesn't. That 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 a coaching staff cannot make those adjustments to generate some kind of offense. Um, I find I'm perplexed by Butch. Well, it, again, you have to look at 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 coach's record against quarterbacks under 25 years old. He's like 17 and one, and you know that that's the dominant, you know. Analytic for you know you, you put you put that old head against a young quarterback, and he he finds a way to you know to devalue them and their ability to help their team win, and you know he went through the MVP, 
um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's tough. The the Patriots had the easiest route to get to the Super Bowl. You know, you got a West Coast team that qualifies, and they got to fly in the cold weather. You know, with no preparation, so the Chargers were not ready. Um, they win that game. They go to Kansas City, have to play on grass. Uh, Kansas City, as good as they are, they did lose one of their star running backs to domestic violence in the season. Um, but he did take away their best wide receiver. Uh, you know, they had prior knowledge because Kansas City had played at New England and you know, and it played pretty well. But I, I just think, you know, when Bill sits and looks at the X's nose because of the whole his whole depth of knowledge, and that goes back to, you know, he's been looking at football formations with his dad. He has seen how things have evolved, how the rules have changed. And, and see, this is what I believe. They can change the rules, all right? But it's no different than building a prison. You leave a prison there long enough, some prisoners are going to figure out how to get out of it. <laughs> and Belichick has, you know, found those ways, and some of them have been questionable. You know, did he have people's calls? But at the end of the day, uh, his depth of knowledge from an IQ standpoint and being able to correlate making a change that desperately, that, you know, that deeply affects what the other team wants to run. Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't. There's, there's I, I been don't, no one better. Yeah, I mean, the reality is uh, whether whether he was uh, whether he was uh, and you know whether he was stealing calls or anticipating calls. I think it's more of the latter than the former. I, I think they've sort of learned their lesson over the years. Uh, but certainly anticipating calls. You know, Tony Romo seemed to seemed to know everything that was coming down. So if he if he did, I'm sure Belichick knew even better. And you know, you got to give the Patriots. You know, the credit, uh, if they're not the most, the best franchise, the best run in NFL history, uh, you can say that. Tom Brady didn't have a fantastic game. Uh, Six Super Bowl rings, you can't challenge that. Belichick, uh, certainly in the discussion with with the greats, uh, best NFL coach of all time. Naz probably just leave the discussion, go to break, and I'll leave it with you guys. Um, you guys give them all the credit in the world. Wow, what a run! And uh, they faced all the challenges, and they meet them and they bet them. So what else can you say? I won't bet against them next year, Naz. Yeah, you, yeah, probably that's a good a good thing. Maybe yeah. the Bills will jump they up. They probably won't be in the playoffs. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other reason why it doesn't bet against them. <laughs> I well, certainly Belichick and Brady have humbled me, so I'm uh, uh, I'm going to be I'm going Pat's uh, silent next year. Yeah, I took New England. Way. Remember, I took New England. Yeah, you did. I'll yeah. give you credit for that. Now. Okay, we're going to go for another break on commercial. We'll be right back and talk about the Leafs. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just ten forty nine. One for each hand. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues. Price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. 
If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're going to talk uh, our uh, Maple Leafs won a big game last night, Wally. Yeah, managed to. Uh, by the way, uh, Naz, I usually at the beginning of the show always uh, always comment on what you're wearing and uh, congrats on your uh, leaf hoodie this morning. I, I I did notice thanks to the internet and uh, live video streaming. And uh, Butch, you wearing a new pair of glasses this morning? No, they're just clean. <laughs> 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 Anyways, on, on that note, Naz, yes, I managed to watch Leaf Habs game. They're, they're not that easy to find on the TV down here, but uh, given my technological prowess, I managed to figure it out how to get it on my screen last night. I managed to watch the game. It was a good hockey game. It uh, sure was. It was. It was. A, it was a damn good hockey game. Uh, both ends, some you know, some good uh, goaltending, a little bit off goaltending at times. Um, and this could very well be a playoff matchup. And can you imagine, Naz, Leafs-Habs, first the, round. They, they go at it like they did last night. Uh, the ratings would be very high if that happens. Ratings will go through the roof. Let me tell you what, uh, uh, aside from the fact that the Leafs won a road game in overtime, uh, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, when Mitch Marner picked up that puck, I mean, they fought off that penalty. Mitch Marner picked up the puck. And, you know, this kid... This kid's phenomenal. It's just like every time he picks up. And when he picked up that puck in the overtime, I said, something's going to happen here. Mitch Marner's got the puck. And lo and behold, he threads the needle with the pass of Tavares. Tavares goes top shelf on the backhand, and we and we win it. But there are two guys, two guys that will be crucial to any Leafs success in the playoffs. One guy, obviously, the other one, maybe not so obvious, that picked up their game and are pick, starting to pick up their game. Nylander um, showed a tremendous amount of skill on that goal, on the tying goal last night. And Andreas Janssen's game seems to be uh, seems to be heating up. And aside from the the difference that that Muzzin makes on the blue line, uh, Leafs are on a little bit of a roll, and hopefully they can keep it going against the uh, Rangers. Your impressions, guys? Wally, did you notice who was on the ice killing the penalty? 
Going I'm, into overtime I'm, I'm, on the D? I'm, I couldn't wait for him to say this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Was it? I actually, I didn't notice Naz. Maybe I should have noticed. Hainsey uh, and uh, I, Muzzin were on the ice. Well, you didn't see you Gardner and you didn't see Riley. So you well, know they're you gonna, know, but they're but they're the go-to guys, Naz. They have to be from a defensive point of view. Hainsey's always over the course of the last couple of years always picked up the. Uh, you know, he plays a lot of minutes, and he's been there. He's been their shorthanded guy, and you know, Muzzin is you know obviously is perfect for that role. So. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have expected otherwise. Killing penalties; those those have to be your two go-to guys for killing penalties. Hainsey's been criticized quite a bit of him getting old and not uh, being reliable. That, now he has yeah, a plus no. twenty-nine. Plus no, Hainsey, twenty-nine. Hainsey, I'm not going to say the prize. I like Hainsey's game. He, he basically that was the you know he came over from Pittsburgh after winning a Stanley Cup, and it was basically. They signed him, and the Leafs lost the guy. I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, who was the guy they used to have that went to the sign with the Penguins? I can't even remember his name. Anyways, Hainsey came over, played a lot of minutes in the Stanley Cup run w- w- with, with the Penguins. He's played a lot of minutes uh, these couple of years here in Toronto. But, you know, he, I, to a certain extent, they've had to overplay him. And now with Muzzin in, you know, maybe they can, they can take a few minutes off his game. And, he's you know, he's a good, he's a good effective defenseman uh you know if you can, if you can play him 18 to 20 minutes a game instead of 22 to 24 you're going to get a much more effective player and a much more hopefully rested player in the uh in the playoffs muzzin you know what pr- provides that a bit of a physical presence back there he's not scared to throw his body around uh, slammed uh, slammed gunsel into the boards in the pittsburgh game i thought that sort of changed the game around so he's uh, he's got the ability to have you know, have some of those forwards on the other team keep their heads up, and the Leafs have been sorely lacking that. Uh, so, you know what? Uh, a little bit of a run since Muzzin came in. Nylander's game seems to be getting a little bit better. I think he's got six points in his last eight games. Janssen is looking like the eight MVP in the Color Club playoffs that he did last year. Um you know, uh, Marner is Marner. Tavares is uh, on his on his way to 50 goals. And if Anderson uh, shuts it down at the other end, uh, as you said, Naz, the season goes in cycles and looks like the Leafs may be headed towards an up cycle. Look at the teams that are not doing well again. Like Winnipeg is uh, three game losing streak, three or four game losing streak. Everybody goes through this in the NHL, uh, some uh, uh, losing streak. And they were Winnipeg was classified as the nonstop Stanley yeah, Cup contenders, right. and now they don't look so good. So. Yeah, but at times guys get fatigued. Yeah, you know, so it's you know it's a marathon. You know, anytime you can win a game in NHL and get to the playoffs, you know you're climbing a mountain, <clears throat> and you have to dodge the injury bug, right? And then you've got to hope a goalie can see pucks that you know he that that are supposedly go through the defenseman, and you know I've always wondered how how you hockey guys kill goalies and you know goalies are back there dodging trying to figure out you know <laughs> telling his own guys to get the hell out of the way so he can see the puck so um the the win you know i don't consider it a statement win it's a rivalry wow. win the the reality is that babcock is with the contract being settled and marner being a local guy you know probably figure he's not going anywhere then hopefully the team can settle in and, you know, how this conversation started. He had the right defenseman he on did. the ice. 
You know, that's why he's there coaching. It's a one-possession game, sudden-death game. Who do you put out there? And, you know, he, he's going to ride or die with them. Uh, I thought it was an outstanding decision in, in a rivalry game that has, you know, a little more rivalry to it because both of them have players that played in London uh, on the same team, which is uh, Domi and, and Marner. So, you know, it adds a little more flavor to it. But Tavares was Tavares, and but you know Tavares knows he's only as good as the rest of them, and they just need to move forward. Uh, this whole thing that uh, Montreal has had an outstanding year. We pretty much thought they'd be in the trash. Uh, Weber's playing as good as he's ever played, um, but you know they're a team that's been effective by having more than ten players with with ten goals, so they distribute the puck very well and, and been a very efficient at it. But again, you know, you get in the playoffs with them in Boston, you know, it's Babcock has to and Tavares have to set the tone and maintain it. That's always been a tough part when hockey got three lines, playoffs, and you gotta maintain it for such a long period of time compared to, you know, six or seven guys or eight guys in a basketball game. And uh the win was a good win, it was a rivalry win. I don't think it sets any other precedent. If they start knocking down and, and win 8 out of 10 going home, that's what we'd like to see and see that consistency. And then maybe every once in a while, the old gruffy coach won't be as gruffy in his press conference. Did you see the argument with uh, the assistant coaches in between periods? Oh, my God. But, but anyway. I was wondering what they were talking about. Well, it, it, it works. Sometimes the assistant coach is actually right, <laughs> but he's wrong because he gets caught on TV. they got to watch Anyways, the two the two most prominent guys in Toronto this week uh, were were Masai Ujiri and Kyle Dubas. Um, obviously, because they made some bold statements, to put it mildly, and uh, we we've already talked about Gasol coming to Toronto. Austin Matthews, Naz, they signed him for an eleven point six. I told you he average. wouldn't sign in Arizona. There's for five no years, at, you know what, Naz, you're, you're trying to make you know you're trying to embarrass me again. Please don't do it. You're always reminding me that you're always right, and I'm no, always no, wrong. not always so, right, Naz. You don't, Naz, you don't have to remind him. He has a natural talent for doing this. <laughs> uh, you know what, everybody's got a. You, you know what the biggest? You know what the hey, biggest Bucks, thing that? Well, yeah. just a second. You know what the biggest thing that happened with the trade, the Raptors trade? Yeah. If they if. Any player that wants to do a GoDaddy commercial, don't do it because you're going to get traded. Anyways, uh, thanks for reminding me, guys, that my best my best before day as a sports talk radio host is probably expired already. Cause I can't seem to get anything right these days. But uh, Naz, uh, yeah, you you predicted it. Uh, Austin Matthews signed, uh, caught some people off guard. To be to be quite frank, the five year deal. Mixed reaction around the league. I think a lot of GMs in the league might be a little bit upset at Kyle Dubas. Uh, not so much for uh, he seems to have increased the bar. Uh, Nylander at almost seven million. Uh, Matthews at almost twelve million. Uh, the numbers keep going up, and there's a lot of there's a lot of general managers, uh, specifically the one in Winnipeg. Uh, have to look at this and say, oh, my God, the numbers that Dubas has increased the numbers. The five-year deal caught, I think, some people by surprise. Uh, I'd like you guys to comment. Uh, is that deal player-friendly or team-friendly in, in terms of amount and in terms of term? 
Your thoughts, guys? Ter- term, term. It's play- it's player friendly, all right, and the amount is team friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, they, as he said, you know, they wanted eight years, right? He basically is saying, I'm going to take the best five years that Tavares has. That's five. Mm-hmm. It's not six, seven, and eight, right? So you know, he was thinking team. What's the team going to look like? And so he picked the number five, and you know, I think. Dubas needed to get it done, and he got it done. It's not exactly what he wanted. It's irrelevant what some guy in Winnipeg is is saying about how to run the team in in the largest market. Um, get your team settled and let them see what they can do, you know, with the Stanley Cup over the next four or five years. And I, I think that that was real simple. I think it worked for everyone, and it got done. The tough part is going to be Marner because uh, there isn't much money left. In the, uh, under the cap, they have four, thirteen million dollars left to sign. I think it is six players. They have fifteen under contract, so they need thirteen million to sign six players, and it's going to be tough to sign Marner because he's going to go for ten for sure. Well, well, they they, got, they have no choice. They have to sign Marner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're going to get rid of. They're going to need to get rid of somebody, and it'd probably be a Nylander or a Marlowe. They're, they're the two contracts that I see, yeah. right? Nylander's a little bit easier to trade. Um, Marlowe, uh, you'd have to eat some of that salary if you trade him. Um, Marner's you know, and then you've got Gardner, right? You know, well, Gardner's you know, gone. Gardner, you, Gardner's you got, gone. you got to think that he's gone, and hopefully a couple of the guys down at the Marlies are... Uh, <laughs> There isn't already, anybody ready, ready down there, Wally. Ready for prime, ready for prime time. Well, then they, they, they're going to have, because uh, Babcock, Babcock and Dubas, I think they love Gardner's game. Uh, they love the offense that he brings in today's NHL. The, the fans are have a mixed reaction on Gardner, but I don't see how you... Gardner's got market value. In spite of how, in spite of how much Leaf fans might want to criticize him, uh, he's got market value, and his market value is probably around $6 million a year over... Who knows how many years he's not? He's not that old, and he can still he can still free wheel out there. So uh, so he's got. Uh, well, they I, said I agree. They, they said Fanuf had market value too. So. Yeah, well, he, he got his first healthy scratch uh, this weekend. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it the other night. He got uh, he was he was watching the game in the press box. So good point, Naz. I think I'm seeing about a minute and a half left. You're right. Trading, trading deadlines coming up. Uh, I don't think Dubox is done. I've heard reports that uh, the Leafs and the Carolina Hurricanes have been chummy, chummy, chummy in the last three weeks. They've been visiting each other, scouting each other's games. There's a there's a there's a player down in Carolina who's rumored as a potential fit in for the Leafs is Michael Furland, uh, gritty player. If they can get him for the right price, I think he'd be a good fit. What are you hearing, Yes? I'm hearing the same thing, uh, but. Carolina is in a uh, in the playoff hunt too, right? They're only one point away from Pittsburgh for the last spot, and Pittsburgh is on the verge of being right out of the playoffs. Who could have figured that out? I think. Where, 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 where else do you uh, foresee the Leafs trying to fill? Uh, are they done on the defense? Uh, Ashganagov or the, the Russian kid back there doesn't seem to be earning that much. Um, uh, the Leafs done on the D, or I think they're done. Uh, I think they, in, we're bringing in a, some physicality up front. Yeah, well, we're we only have 15 most. seconds left, but I think yeah. they're done on the on the D. But uh, look at adding some more depth up front. Well, uh, we come to the end of the show, and thanks, Butch, for coming in. It was a great. Uh, 
great uh, hour for us. Thanks for having me. No problem. Wally, thanks. See thanks you next for week. Me, guys. Always a pleasure. Okay. Have a great Bye. week, Butch.